a Legend of the Five Rings podcast, funded by the Legend of the Five Rings Discord Patreon. This podcast will focus on the role-playing game stories and lore for Legend of the Five Rings. I'm Kova. I'm Kikita Kaori. And today we are continuing our review of Rid of the Wilds. Hopefully you heard our, our last one. And so we'll just be talking about that. Uh, in our last uh, episode, we kind of talked about the wilds, the secret empire in section one and the dragon clan. And in section two, we get to talk about the dragonfly clan and some of the new schools and, you know, techniques and game mechanic-y stuff. Yeah, we start off with the dragonfly clan, which act as the gatekeepers to the dragon clan so they're a lot closer related to a great clan than a great many minor clans are there's a couple of interesting changes for a long time they kind of had some of the most fertile grounds in Dragonlands, but in this version of them their lands actually aren't that fertile which is interesting new change and there are ghostly moon echoes around the place, which definitely is extremely new. Yeah, this was a, this whole section kind of made my little geologist nerd <laughs> um, ha- have some problems with it because considering where it is located in Dragonlands, mm. it's going to be more fertile than anything anyway because it's the foot of the mountain. It's getting all of that all of that runoff and, and stuff. In old lore also, it was land that other clans, specifically the lion, wanted due to its being very fertile. And and there was a lot of fighting over it. And now it's like nobody would want it because their vegetables grow white. I don't know. I had a hard time with their, their plants all grow white. Yeah, it's very strange. It's very strange. I did kind of like the moon echoes, where in when the moon hits, they see kind of shadows of the future or stuff. That was strange, but, you know, I kind of appreciate that. But I didn't like the white vegetables. I just you know, <laughs> wasn't sure about that. The kind of claim is that the soil is the wrong sort of soil, and then maybe that can happen depending on this and that. The other thing, um, I do wonder if the vegetables all growing bone white is more of a supernatural thing than it is a geological thing because it's just such an odd one like i like i i don't know i've never heard of yeah i've never heard of anything like even their even their soil being like what it is yeah doesn't doesn't make much sense i think what they are going for at a guess with some of the changes into the environment itself is that they want it to seem like it was under the influence of the realm of Mado. Right. Yeah. Where, you know, it's everything's boring and you're waiting for a very long time. Oh, yes. Yes. Because no, yeah, you're standing in line waiting to be judged by the dead. So I think they were trying to, get that feeling of being waiting in a boring place for a very long time at the foot of the mountains for the dragon to say you can come up you can come out of Mado and yeah come to us and i think that that was why they went for that vibe i think <laughs> i think that might be like bit on the nose if that's what they're going for i i would personally prefer the the dragonfly lands to be 
when when because the the idea of people talking about it like it's staying at Mado, it's more about the waiting, not about the place you are waiting in. And I think it's actually right. funnier if Dragonfly Lands are actually lovely and pleasant and, and a perfectly lovely place to stay. It's just you just don't want to be there. No one goes to the Dragonfly Lands to go to the Dragonfly Lands. They go to the Dragonfly Lands to go to the Dragonlands. And, you know, it's, it's, I'm sure it's lovely here, but this isn't my destination. And I think that's actually funnier. <laughs> I, I, I get it. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Funny is perhaps not quite good, but I think, I think that's a more interesting way of putting it than, uh, everything is in fact all white and colorless. And I, I certainly don't think that you, it's a very good idea to make the, the place infertile and it can barely support the dragonfly and their guests. I think that immediately causes issues with given, given how they're meant to work, but never mind. So, so they, I think you might be right about them going for that Mado vibe, which um, I, I, I kind of get it, but I think, I think that might be a bit too on the nose for my, for my taste. Yeah. So the origin story for the uh, Dragonfly Clan is is similar to what it was before, but they've kind of expanded it, made it more complicated. Uh, like they, it was always a, a love story between a dragon and a Asawa, who and the Asawa was, was engaged to a lion and ended up marrying the dragon. And their love, you know, then the, the dragon and the phoenix joined to protect their, their love. So they kind of expanded on this and, uh, went into more depth as to like the dragon was married before and that he wanted to leave and he wasn't allowed and Tagashi. <laughs> it's always because of Tagashi, you know, <laughs> in the end. Um, and, and so on. Yeah. So the part that is unexplained here, which was always unexplained in the previous story too. So even with this expanded thing is why the emperor wanted to foster closer ties between the dragon and the phoenix, um, to, to make this new dragonfly clan. So that isn't explained here, but it's always been a point of like, okay, I get love story, Mm. run off, join. I can even get the dragon and the phoenix like protecting the lovers from the lion because, you know, the lion can be lionish. But I don't know why the emperor would declare a minor clan over it. But hey, it works. Looking at the map, it's kind of odd that dragonfly lands apparently used to be phoenix lands because they seem quite far away from the phoenix. (laughs) But hey... The maps never did make sense, so never mind. Um, I mean, I mean, it's possible that it was it wasn't so much the empire wanted. I don't know. Like, like obvi- the obvious reason would be because of petitioning and lobbying by the phoenix and the dragon, and possibly other people saying, "Well, the lion want to bully their way into something, so we don't want the lion to have it." And someone says, "Well, what do the lion want? We don't care. The lion wants it. They they shouldn't have it because." We're annoyed with the lion today. Maybe that's how it came about, but, you know, who knows? The other new thing they've added is a focus on glass, 
which I think might be, again, being slightly on the nose because of Dragonfly, Dragonfly Wings, which are all shiny and pretty and iridescent. And so it looks like... It, it's kind of feeling that like that they, they're going for a feel of... The, the Mado with, with, with the lack of colour, but the the dragonfly wings have to be shiny and iridescent and that brings us into glass right so traditionally the the dragonfly mon was rainbow colored yes and so they're kind of keeping that by saying you know glass making the rainbows in this all white space of course they say this place is filled with mist Glass doesn't make rainbows when it's misty. <laughs> it's no, sunny. It's just... Anyway, it's very strange. Like, <laughs> yeah, I I kind of got a bit, you know, grumpy history nerd about the glass as well because it's a whole new thing which apparently no one else does, but they do. This, I I do have a kind of a reflex, you know, knee jerk reaction to we are going to introduce this thing from the west that wasn't historically in that area. And then everyone will be amazed by this thing because it's, uh, you know, that, that kind of rankles me a little bit sometimes. And I, this kind of feels a little bit like that. Mm-hmm. And, and I kind of found the whole glass sword thing, which is the, the other new thing is that they make a, a katana out of glass, which is supposed to represent, uh, you don't use this sword because this sword can only be used once. Right, you will hit with it, and it will be as deadly as a katana, but it will only last once. Therefore, pacifism, except for the utmost need, as a symbol, maybe, you know, but they seem to actually make them, and they've got stats, and I'm like, <laughs> oh dear God, no. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I mean, I, I you know, it, it just doesn't seem to. I, I can't make it fit in my brain. Which might be a might be a me problem, could well be. <laughs> it's an interesting philosophy, you know, pacifism, except at the uttermost need. Uh, we've got pacifism in a lot of other places with other clans, without the glass sword philosophy. Yeah, I mean, apparently the dragonfly did do this before. I, I thought this was new, but apparently not. Oh, I, I can believe that. They gave it more depth. And, you know, having things that make your clan unique is is great. Uh, it is not practical to go adventuring with your glass sword. No. That's just silly. Um, it, it can be on a stand. Yeah, yeah. It could be on a stand. That kind of thing could be an, or- an ornamental thing. Could be a purely philosophical thing, which I, I, I would mind a lot less. Uh, yeah, I took it as mostly philosophical with a dose of, hi, we can create a symbol of our philosophy out of our thing that we do, which is making glass. Yeah. I mean, it's not like people don't lug around other symbols of their philosophy. Yeah, I suppose. You know, you can have it, but I, as an adventurer, I wouldn't be lugging around my glass sword. No, I, I think that would be a mistake. Uh, <laughs> it's all fine. I don't mind. I don't mind the glass stuff. If you have the dragonfly being this iteration of the dragonfly... And they have no, you know, bad food or whatever there, and they can't support themselves like that. Glass is going to be freaking everywhere in the empire. Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. Because they're going to export it. They're going to export it. Keep it to themselves. That's how they're going to have all the good food. 
and everything else that everyone else has, they're going to export all their glass. Which pretty much isn't, yeah. So now that said, in Japanese architecture, it's not practical. No, because your buildings fall down because of the earthquakes. Exactly. Even very minor tremors. And we're talking in Japan, uh, you know, of many very minor earthquakes a year, glass will crack. They don't know how to do the rubber-sealed, resilient window frames. Like we have now, we can handle, we can handle a, a truck going by <laughs> with a thin pane of glass because it's in a little buffered frame. And it's, it's tempered and it's made properly and, and yada, yada. I mean, all these sorts of things. Right. Yeah. But, but glass for windows or anything like that is, even if you had glass ornaments everywhere in the empire, is just not practical. Okay. So that's, you don't have to worry about that. It's just too many earthquakes. Mm. But you would find glass beads and decorations and hair ornaments and all that stuff yeah. all over the place because it's cheaper than jewels, cheaper and easy to get than jewels, even if it's getting from the dragonfly lands. I mean, interestingly, Japan never seemed to really go for gemstones as a thing, which I, I found quite fascinating. They never did rings, they never did amulets, they never did necklaces, earrings, that kind of thing. They had some kind of sparkly bling in the hair ornaments for ladies. But interestingly, they just never went that f that way, which is uh, another of the, the people, you know, things we assume, like we assume gemstones. Yes, everyone's going to have gems everywhere. And not ev actually not everyone does, which is a, a cool, interesting thing. No. Uh, it's, it's they're hard to find if you're an island nation it's kind of actually hard to find gems you know <laughs> they didn't bother importing them in large numbers from foreign places which you, you thought they might do, might do but um yeah interesting this is another ffg minor clan who doesn't do arranged marriages love only Love only, uh, yet another one now and this is this is from old times so it, this is true, unlike yes. say the deer, um, which didn't really... Anyway. Uh, <laughs> we won't start that again. Please see all our other podcasts. See all our other podcasts for rants about the deer. <laughs> but, 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 you know, yes. you get another Dragonfly one. Is always, Dragonfly has always, in old lore, been the one. So all the other ones are new. This is the original. The OG, which no. I think is reasonable. Because it's reasonable to have one. It's reasonable to have one. Yeah. So this was the original. So I give the dragonfly a pass. Absolutely. Um, on that, even even if even if the uh, you know empire in general is not geared this way. Yeah. Anyway, so that's the that's the dragonfly clan. Uh, as mechanically, it does earth sentiment for the clan, and then uh, air or water and courtesy or and culture for the family. So um, pretty much. Courtiers, <laughs> courtier build. I mean, I, I like I like the details on what waiting in the Dragonfly Lands is like. I like the short story because that really kind of brings out some of the aspects which you might not think about. Because um, that really is the Dragonfly thing: is that you you try to go to the Dragonlands and you you can't, and they stop you, and then suddenly they're saying, "No, it's fine. You go through," and it's all very confusing. And that's part of, the, and they and they often don't know why either. So mm -hmm. 
I always like that about the Dragon Pack Land, and I think with those quibbles that we've had, um, I, re- I do actually quite like the Dragonfly write-up. I would have liked a little bit more... Um... The one thing that I felt was missing is a little bit about the leadership of the clan and like how it's how it's actually run. Like, how do they know when to send somebody up or how is because you're going to be lobbying if you're in Dragonfly Lands and being stuck in Dragonfly Lands for the Dragonfly thing, which is you want to go up in the mountains, right? You're going to be lobbying, which means you're going to be interacting with the leadership or trying to figure out how you can. And um, so I, I kind of would have liked some depth there, but that's okay. That's okay. It was interesting. Yeah. So once we've talked about the, the Dragonfly clan, we're now looking at the next section, um, which is... There's another set of 20 questions. This is a, a thing that we've had with all the FFG books. FFG slash Edge now presumes that when you get a splat book, you are only going to have the splat book and the core book and nothing else to work with to to run the game. They have to write it as if that is the case, because for some people that will be true. That does, however, lead to stuff being reprinted, which is what's happening here. Right. And so not the entire 20 questions, but a significant chunk of the 20 questions from Path of Waves is reprinted. And it's a subset of regions, just the wilderness regions, rather than all the regions. But it's all printed here. So then for all of these new non-Rokugani schools that they are having, all these Yabanjin schools and, and, and so on. Um, I wish they didn't do this uh I understand why they do, but I don't think they necessarily need to write up the whole um, whole section to with with all the information in it and descriptions and flavor text. I think they could do it in a couple paragraphs and say, if you want to see the full descriptions, go to not even a couple paragraphs, a couple sentences. So, you know. Have the t- have the twenty questions, but have no um, filler text on it. Just have, you know, if have the specific questions listed, and then for details about this, please see Path of Waves if you want to know more. And it's like eight and a half pages, and I, I can see why some people would be saying, "Why?" Like, if you don't have Path of Waves, this is fantastic because this is the first alternate twenty questions you found, but. If you do have Path of Waves, it's like, do we really need eight and a half pages taken up with us? So, and a lot of it is the regions and upbringings, and they tr- they they aren't the complete list of regions and upbringings from um, Path of, Path of Waves, but some of those regions and upbringings I thought they should have had here. For example, the one that I noticed was the haunted. You came from a haunted region. Yes. Uh, yeah. That that sh- that should be here. I mean, that yeah. should be here, uh, here too. Uh, not that I want more more space. And for I th- it. I think there's also probably several of the twenty questions that don't actually change in between. So maybe they could have saved some space by just okay. Well, they didn't. They didn't have all of them. It's just uh, the first handful of them. Mm, that's they true. Just have handful that's of true. Them and six. They didn't replace all of them. So the ones that were the same, they didn't. That's replace. true. That's pretty good. Um, so 
having griped about that. <laughs> right, so we're going to talk about the schools themselves, at least very briefly. So you got to take this with a large dose of salt because I have not actually played these schools because, uh, you know, I just, just evaluated in the book. Um, all right. So the first of these schools is the Dragonfly uh, School, Shigenja School, uh, called Grace of the Spirits. It is a Shigenja courtier school. It has inv invocations, rituals, and shuji. Um, it is a very... They're using a mechanic that is very strange to me um, because so for the school ability, if you fail a role, a social role, uh, you can roll a TN4 theology check. Well, TN5. It's, it's TN5 minus one for rank one. The actual maximum is for that you actually roll. And it's technical, but anyway, to turn some of those kept ring dice to successes. Yeah. Okay. Um, at level one, hitting a TN4 on what you're probably rolling as a Shigenja as a five keep three is a real challenge. Yeah. But it turns all your rings to successes if you want. But they're just successes not explosive successes. So it will turn, uh, if you can hit that TN4 theology check, you could probably be having three regular successes and then you can hit some higher numbers. That makes sense. Once you start getting to level two though, now you're hitting a TN3 on what will probably be a six keep three roll. It doesn't specify what ring you use. You can use your best one. It's probably the ring you were using for the original social check, but they should specify. And and that's where this school gets funky is because Shigenja are incentivized strongly by the way Shigenja rules work to just level theology. Yeah. And the ring that their best invocations are in. Right. Everybody else, like especially courtiers, have to spread out their rings a lot. Yeah. And they have to, you know, get lots of different social skills. I need courtesy to do with people above me and I need command to be people lowly and I need my games and I need, that's just being a courtier. So here, the dragonfly can focus on their single skill that they're focusing on anyway, because they're Shigenja and just roar through the levels. Yeah. Um, very fast. Uh, and hitting a TN3 on six keep three is pretty easy. And then after that, you're talking about hitting a TN2. Yes. Um, yeah, at rank three, yeah. One, <laughs> at rank three, on something that will probably be more like seven keep four something like that it's also the case that they are clearly meant to be specializing in air and water which are i mean admittedly you know you can use any of the rings to do a social thing in but i rather suspect air and water are the ones you do most of your social checks in and if we start saying that the theology check is in the same ring that you did your social check in which i think would be the most logical thing well, that's going to be probably a good ring for you anyway, because you're incentivized to get air and water 
invocations in your curriculum. You're incentivized to get air and water shuji in your first rank, and and you get air and water plus one for the school. Well, clearly, you know, you're likely to be having a good ring for your theology check. And I mean, it's once per scene, you probably auto succeed. Until level six. And then it auto succeeds at every role, mm. every social role. But that said, all that said, it's not as bad as you might think in that opportunities are very important in social scenes. They very are, yeah, yeah, yeah. And explosive successes are a thing. But this is going to be an extremely low strife character because you're not going to have to be picking any strife for those successes. They're just plain successes. Yep. Yeah, just things to think about. I do not think it's I do not think it's broken. I think it's funky mm. because of how low the social roles go uh, at higher levels. Um, so, uh, but it is important to remember these are not opportunities. That's how many of the shuji work is required for opportunities, not not successes. And and you know, fire stance and its strife with bonus successes and stuff that doesn't work. There's no strife on these either. So things to think about. Okay. Um, the only quibble I had with it, other quibble, is just that I it has martial arts melee, martial arts unarmed instead of martial arts melee in there because pacifism and glass swords and all that. Yeah, especially when it's like there's not even the um, the Shugenja or Obushi school. So martial arts unarmed does seem to make a lot more sense than martial arts melee to me. So I, I would agree with you on that. The next school we'll be looking at is the Laughing Mountain Hearthstone tradition. So the Laughing Mountain people are the people who live in the mountains of the spine of the world. These are the Yobanjin. Yeah, the Yobanjin people who, who semi-nomadic people who live in the Spine of the World Mountains. Uh, they're called this because travellers, you know, Rokugani travellers, sometimes, I heard this strange laughing in the mountains. It was very weird. And it turns out to be these folk. And so this is a courtier slash monk school. Um, and these are, you know, one of the, you know, they have a, a revered tradition of that, of the hearthstone. They specifically trade in the art of creating the perfect atmosphere for every, every occasion. So these are people who are dedicated hosts, entertainers, listeners, and mediators between the, you know, the peoples. Once you make a successful social check against another character in the scene, they get a reduced target number for subsequent social checks. So the better you do to start off with, you know, the, the easier things go after that. So you kind of made a good impression and now everyone likes you. Uh, you can't you can't stack it to get additional bonuses against one person, but you can, you know, go for different people. It's one of the only ones that it, it may be the first one that has a school that doesn't scale with rank. That's a good point, actually. I yeah. It uses a mechanic that is kind of like what I would what I would do if I were a GM, maybe house ruling or otherwise. And I think there might be a shuji associated with this. For gift giving. So if you give a really good gift and they really like it, then their social skills checks with them decrease by one. So it feels like that. It's pretty straightforward. Oh, they get a woolly pony 
a starting outfit. <laughs> they get a woolly foot. I like that. Yeah. Um, the high end ability, the level six ability, means they can train their social skills to six. So that makes it feel like a Ronin school, Ronin, um, having this ability to take your skills up to six. So I kind of like that. It works for the whole um, outsider yeah. vibe that they go in. If I would lean towards anything with this, uh, I would say this would be a good one for fire courtier style um, because of the shuji that it has in there. And also because how these school abilities work with fire stance, because, you know, if your target numbers are lower, you can keep lots of strife and lots of, you know, get lots more bonus successes. And that tends to play well with the fire stance. They're kata rituals and shuji by default, but they do get a fair number of kiho in their curriculum. The next one is the Shinomen Naga school. So this is a non-human school. The Shinomen Naga are a courtier bushi school. They have kata ritual and shuji, which is a very kind of standard set for samurai. It has the disguise yourself with an illusion as a school ability. So you can look like you're, you're a, a cart with a horse or you can look like you're, you know, two people walking together or whatever it is to make you hide yourself and look like a person, people, whatever. Also increases your tail damage by your school rank. So you can whack someone with the tail that no one saw you having. I, I just noticed that in the art for this, which is a very pretty uh, piece of artwork of, of, a, of a Naga individual wearing armor, They've got a snake around their neck like a scarf, which some odd for some odd reason strikes me as odd for the Naga <laughs> to be wearing a snake. It's a little brother. <laughs> Something uh, like that, yes. A uh, high-level ability has additional armor from its snake scale. But uh, in addition, I think the uh, interesting thing is that it has Naga armor as part of the equipment issued for this, uh, this school. And the Naga armor... Is, is good, strong armor. But I always wonder, is that like actually equipped armor that becomes damaged? Yes. Or is it, if is that their skin? Yeah. Gets a critical hit on it and you take it and you mend it or what? Or does it, what happens when it breaks? Like, is that part of your body as Naga armor or is that? As an interesting question. And can you wear armor on top of that? Because the artwork, it, the, the artwork, Clearly, has someone wearing samurai armor on top of their their on on their humany bit. I don't know. We won't talk about too much about the specific things they can do, but they can do snake stuff as kata. So the next school is another non-human school. This is the Nezumi Tattered Ear Explorer tradition, who are a bushi school. Uh, kata and shuji for them. That's all they get to start off with. Um, although they do get another couple of techniques in there mostly ninjutsu, because they are sneaky, sneaky little mouse people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Earth and Fire, um, they're pretty cool. Uh, their school ability is when they make a check to perceive or investigate surroundings, they get their school rank off the target number of that check, which is... Kind of a cool one. I, I wonder how well that scales, because how often do you ask for a target number five perceive your environment check. So that that means they're going to be very, well, actually, very good at that. But, but. So, so there's some interesting things 
this is not criticism of the school. I, I like the school, actually, because I think it would be very interesting uh, to play uh, this school. And, and especially with the Nizumi Onikata that are available um, in the list of techniques. But some interesting things to keep an eye out for. Uh, investigation can happen in any skill. Yes. According to how investigation is done in 5E. For example... History, uh, you know, yes. or some of the some of the scholarly skills are used for investigation. Culture, all of these are are used for investigation. The Nizumi, when they're using any of these skills, get the the TN off. So you could end up re- having that level five research scholarly task, uh, or that level five archive uh, government. Government investigation, for example, let's say. So if you've got a, a task that's buried deep in the bowels of the government uh, repository that you want your scholarly government person to do it, yeah, they get their level off of the TN for doing that. If you have your Nizumi research assistant researching that for This you. scroll just smelled right. What, I, what can I tell you? <laughs> exactly, and that's what, and I mean that would that could be. I followed the scent to the right scroll, or it's up to your player to figure out how to make that work. But it it'll happen. You said it was about the history of the metalworking in this region. I just went for the scroll that smelt most of iron. What? What else? Oh, exactly. Why are you surprised by this? <laughs> Everyone else is like, that makes no sense. It is an alternate way of thinking about research. Yes, <laughs> but. You know that you get to be creative to think how they're doing that, but it it can be done, and it is fair for it to be done. It's just being done in a in a different way. Yeah. So that's why it would be reduce the TN that way. They're they're not necessarily researching all those government scrolls the way your courtier would. They are finding it in some other fashion. Yep. Their their high level ability. If you ever get to rank six. Um, is an interesting one. You, you spend a void point. If someone within range one to two of you is attempting to move away from you, you spend a void point and merely make two strike actions, which I think could be quite vicious in a fight. But, you know, if you're fighting rank six anybody, you're in a world of hurt any, so regardless. So, uh, yeah. Absolutely. So that, I mean, as a rank six, that, that sounds quite powerful, but then it's rank six. So rank six should be quite vicious. Mm-hmm. So they look, they look like they could be fun. So the next ability, or the next school, I should say, is the Tengu Mask of Air School. And this is a a monk sage school. This is kind of interesting. It has invocations, kiho, and rituals, but no kata. It does have lots of kiho, so they're strong for fighting, but no kata. Well, they get some in the curriculum. But they can't choose any Alcata, yeah. Not very many, very few. Very specific ones. Very specific ones. Their school can replicate a technique. So if they do a TN6 meditation, which is impossible at low levels, you're not going to be able to make a TN6 meditation check at low levels. Well, again, it's it's reduced by the school length. Minus one a rank... So yeah, so it starts at five. Yeah, it starts at five. Those are really hard numbers to read. Oh yes. Uh, your school 
can replicate a technique someone else is doing that you're fighting or you're, you're facing. They have to be there, as I understand it. You know, you can't just pull something out of the book and say this. You have to, it's replicating, it's duplicating it. Look, of a, of a category and rank you have available to you. So the implicate, so you might, mm, does that count? Does that mean kata are not available to you? So you can't study kata. I think this would be a very hard one to use. In order to replicate the technique, you need to do this high-level meditation check. It is an open question whether you keep the technique after you have replicated for the rest of time or not. If you succeed, you can replicate that technique until the end of the scene. So the school ability implies no, you can only get it to the end of the scene. Okay. So, but here's, here's the thing. The only things you can replicate are what you have in school, invocations, keyhole, and rituals. Many of the times, the things you're copying the most are going to be kata. You can't replicate those if you're fighting. You can't replicate the kata. Uh, you don't have the kata category. Yeah, and what the Tengu are known for in samurai fiction is teaching of... Swordsmen. Yeah, the, the, the kata that are available all seem to be the ones that replicate them being a bird person. They don't seem to have the, this is just, you know, striker's striker's air or whatever. So, yeah, according to this, they can't imitate And they imitate can't even Kata. replicate them. No. And they can't even replicate them So to do them right. So, basically, if you are a Tengu, the best use of your ability, your best use, is fighting Shiginja. Or monks. Because... Well, monks you're not okay. going to end up fighting many monks. There no. are not very many of them. No. And they, a monk will use one kiho. And generally, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. You, when you're playing a monk, generally, you do a kiho, and you just do that one yeah. for the fight because mm. it takes a round to set up a new yes. kiho. And there's not, I mean, there are lots of kiho, but there, and this uh, book adds a bunch more, but there's not as many kiho as there are invocations. No. No, th these. And yeah. there's a good chance that you are going to be the one with all the keyhole anyway. So you'd want to use your keyhole instead of. Yes. Your yes. And, and, Does that make sense? and probably you'll have started the fight putting down a keyhole. Keyhole. And, you, and you're not wanting to change it. But in vacations, you definitely, definitely want to learn. Uh, oh, that's a new. I don't know that one. Okay. I, I want to be able to do that. That sounds cool. That's, that's, yeah. They really seem to be geared more towards Shigenja. This is the magic slapback fight. You throw a fireball at me, I'm going to throw that fireball back at you. Or like anything like that. I'm going to turn your magic and, and do it back at you. That's where these come in. And I don't think you necessarily... You can check for me. I don't have my book open. I don't think you necessarily have to be an enemy. No, no. Uh, you, you study someone else's technique. So, yeah. Right. So here's where you do it. You put one of these guys in a party with a, a blasty Shigenja, and they're copying the Shigenja's invocations. And now instead of one blast of air, you've got two blasts of air or whatever. You're, you're doubling your firepower from your Shigenja. And that's how you use this one. If you're trying to use this fighting an enemy... Uh, it's going to be really hard and somewhat annoying. Yeah. Now, <laughs> it must be said, their rank six ability is 
choose one technique category your school does not already have available to you. That technique type is now available to you. And then you get your kata. That's when you get your kata. Um, so maybe that's maybe all the all the famous you get uh, famous tengu who taught you know Kikita how to fight or this other person how to make swords or whatever. Maybe those are all rank six ones, and that's that's how they get that good. It does seem a little odd though. Yeah, I don't think it's bad. It's different. As I said, I think it would be very annoying to play if you're thinking you're copying your opponent's techniques rather than your allies. If you're copying your allies' techniques in your party, then it, then I think it's very solid. Uh, if you you know, but not at low levels. You have to get that meditation up there high. But um, that said, it just doesn't duplicate the classic Tengu trope of the Tengu Swordsmaster. So you can't make that yourself. Not not until you get to rank six, maybe. But that's um, how many people get that far. But yeah, yeah, I think that's quite that's right. quite a thing. And it, there is a polearm kata in the curriculum. There are and so this is basically this is used to show off their new kata, which are primarily polearm. So this is a one you want to be wandering around with your staff or your spear or something as your as your weapon to use. So that's the Tengu. Um, the next one is another Yobanjin school. This is the Woolen Hooves Trapper tradition. So these are the folks who live up in the north and get on reasonably well with the unicorn. Um, they, well, they may, they may want to have been, once have been the same people who became the Utaku battle maidens. Uh, they have woolly ponies, which uh, look adorable. I have to say. Um, they are an artisan slash bushi, so they get kata rituals and shuji, which is, I think, almost... That's that's a really classic combo, isn't it? That's the standard. That's the standard. Memorize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their school ability is when... This is... I can quibble about this one all day. When you make a check <laughs> to employ an unconventional solution, subject to GGM's discretion, reduce the target number of that check by your school rank. So that's GM fear to the technique, I think. Like what defines unconventional? If you do the same thing several times, does that, is that now, un, is that now conventional for you? Even you've done it before. Is this unconventional for Rocky Gunny standards? Is this unconventional for Woolly Who's Trapper standards? I, I think, I think there's going to have to be some negotiation going on with that one. My GM would hate me doing it with this school technique. Because I am always like inventing stuff, mm. making him wonder what on earth I am am doing, and if I had actual incentive to make it different <laughs> every time. Oh no! Oh yeah, I would definitely get in trouble with with this technique. Yeah. Either that's really good for you if you're a really creative person or really bad for your genes. So, yeah. Something to think about. Um, They're starting out for it amusingly, despite the fact that the woolen hooves people, and they start out with a horse bow, they don't start out with a horse, which is, (laughs) and and the art has a horse on it. So it's kind of like, well, you don't get, you don't get a horse. So I'm curious about that one. Yeah. You don't even get a goat, but you do get a horse bow. How handy. Um, the the rank six ability, I'm not too sure about. Once a scene when you would suffer an amount of damage which would cause you to exceed your endurance threshold, you may instead suffer that amount of strife instead. That, um, is that a good rank six ability, do you think? 
That's that feels like the original Moto School. It's it's not a super rank six ability. It's somewhat on the lower end of rank six abilities. I would say it would be neat to have as an earlier ability. Yeah, um, it, it's kind of like I rank six. I, I would be incapacitated by, by that, but instead I'm just very upset. <laughs> but anyway. So, so those are the schools. I don't have too much opinion on that other than what we already said, which, I mean, this is us. It's very opinion. This is absolutely us being just theory crafting. This is what it sounds like. It may play very differently once you get into it. So mm-hmm. I think we have to kind of, you have, you have to take that in mind when you, when you think about what we've said. So there. Yep. So, okay. Then there are some new, uh, Distinctions of different kinds. New distinctions. There's knowledgeable wilderness guide. Okay. There is thoughtful arbiter. And then the one that was interesting to me was there is skilled midwife. We have done discussions, I believe, on here about midwifing. However, there has never been in anywhere in any of the books, including this one, any discussion of actual midwifing in Rokugan. So we've we've you know, talked about in terms of Japan. I've got information on you know, the Winter Garden about it, but there's there's not any any there. So it's it was interesting to see this pop up in the middle of nowhere. And I, I admit I cannot imagine very many people choosing that distinction because I don't know how often that comes up. It would have to be a very unique game to have ever be able to use that distinction. Yeah, I mean, I mean, bearing in mind, there's there's slightly wider application. There, there's an example that they give, you know, when performing a check through, when your mid, midwife skills are a benefit, and it's such as a culture fire check to theorize why a particular village is experiencing a rash of illness in their youth, in their kids, or that kind of thing. And in fact, even um, a fitness check to re- to act quickly enough to save a child, because as we know. Mm-hmm. Midwives have, have better child saving reflexes. Um, you can rear all two dice. So it is a little broader than just, it, 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 it sounds a little limiting, but they kind of broaden out. So it's anything to do with pregnancy, childbirth, uh, childhood illnesses and child rearing and things like that. So mm-hmm. it is a little bit broader than it might seem at first glance. I actually like that it's an addition. I, it immediately makes you start thinking, oh, maybe that's something I should think about putting into my game. That's an aspect that does exist mm-hmm. and that's real and, and, and something we should think about. It was just interesting. They haven't, how, how little in general all the splat books have about child rearing, period. Yeah. It's always been a, a kind of a, a little bit annoyance to me, I guess. Uh, annoyance isn't quite the right word. It's just, there's there's so little to go on that people, player characters, very rarely can even grok how they were raised mm. because there's just not yeah. much material about any of any of that. So, but no, it's it's fun to be creative and think of creative ties in. So so there's absolutely that. Uh, yep. So there's a couple of new passions which are nice enough. There's charity and uh, kintsugi, which is uh, a nice little cultural detail. So I think it's nice to have it as a, as a particular passion. Um, Charity is very easy to use. Yeah. 
I mean, you 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 can get your strife down by charity all the time. So that's yeah. that's a nice one for that. Kintsugi is very hard to use unless you're really creative. So was, eh, well, I mean, I mean, like with all passions, it's not just can you can you do it, but you know, can you uh-huh. interact with? But yeah, you have to make a check in some way so you kind of you've kind of got to well i need to talk about my favorite topic with this person make a roll get some uh, <laughs> get some strife back um some there's new adverse yep. adversities yep um insomniac mm-hmm. uh which is what you think it is mm-hmm. uh, out of shape this is a good good one for both out of shape and just a uh, minor illness yeah so I like that. You know, you could do that as out of shape mm. um, or stalked by stalked by a creature. Yes. I thought all of these were good adversities. I thought that they absolutely had application um, and adventure, mm. uh, especially if you take stalked as creature to go into the supernatural world, uh, all kinds of supernatural creatures or yokai or stuff. That's a different take on haunted. Yeah. You know, haunted or they're talking in your head. Well, stop by creatures is they're not talking in your head. They're really just out to get you, you know, yeah. <laughs> and you know it. Yeah. Um, it's I, a very uh, applicable. Yeah, I, I do like it. It's like you, you you believe a creature of some kind is stalking you, whether or not this is true, which I think is just hilarious. Um, yes. Anxiety is you've got a fear of common creatures. So these are people who are scared of fairly, fairly generally what other people would consider to be non-dangerous so cats, dogs, uh, that sort of Spiders. thing. Yeah, that kind of thing. So in and yeah, it's it's the standard uh, uh, anxiety thing. So yeah, spider. He 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 go have some <laughs> yeah. have some strife and avoid point every so often. Um, I like fear of mediocrity. Actually, I think that can that can yes. drive some interesting character development. Um, mm-hmm. So people, you can end up acting in in silly ways. Because there are people who are afraid of mediocrity and they end up really trying too hard, which actually ends up causing more problems. Um, mm-hmm. Fear of poison, which I honestly think is only a disadvantage outside of Scorpion Lands. <laughs> In Scorpion Lands, it's perfectly reasonable. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's us for, for new disadvantages and advantages, yeah. indeed. Um, there's a new heritage table. Um, if you need a new heritage table, so um, dragons to dragonfly. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, there are a few few new ones like at one with nature and ties to the perfect land, um, mm-hmm. which is going to depend on whether or not you've run imperfect land the adventure yet. Medical innovator, uh, Gaijin consort, revered parent, or path to enlightenment. There you go. So that's stuff your ancestors may have gotten up to. So all new things. Okay. And then there's a bunch of new techniques, and we're not going to talk about all of them because there's way too many, and, you know, Lord knows we talk long, long enough as is. However, uh, we did want to talk about some. Among the Kehoe, there's 16 new Kehoe. Now, Kehoe needed padding out, uh, so all good. However, uh, I did want to highlight something that's been a problem to me mm-hmm. for all the Kehoe. Right. In general, but then it's continued, it's, it's made stronger here, which is that fire Kehoe are just the best. Right. Yeah, you know, they're just really strong. And in so one of the weaknesses in general of fire stance is it's not a very defensive stance. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Okay, it's it's a it's an aggressive stance, um, and you open yourself up to harm mm. to to do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. By taking strife and other things. I mean, there's, it's just fire in general is aggressive. The existing kiho fire are, are some of the strongest aggressive kiho. Bonus successes are awesome anyway. Uh, fire kiho means those bonus successes start going into burst effects and now you're really getting strong and then what the new techniques do the new kiho do that's a little i don't want to say problematic but more of a good thing they they're strong their fire kiho in this book are also very strong but surprisingly defensive yes so you can take your fire focused monk or whoever's doing these fire focus kiho, and now they can cover up all their vulnerabilities as well because they've got these really defensive fire kiho. So if the bad battle starts turning against them, they still only need their one ring. They still only need, they're still in fire stance. Just looking at this one example, you know, just kind of the, the, the first one, you know, blistering retribution. Um, while you're well, active, after you defend against damage dealt by a character in this scene, you decrease the target number of your next attack or scheme action targeting that character by half the amount of the fatigue you received, which is quite a lot. You know, yeah. that, 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 that means, um, getting hit means is, is good for you. I mean, you're still taking the damage, but you know, suddenly you're, you can be much, better at, at hitting the, the person in front of you and and so getting hit is suddenly a good thing instead of it being a downside of being in in fire it's mm-hmm. good and fine um the volcanic fist adds the increases the target number um to resist checks of, of you and, oh no that's, that's not really the same thing yeah so so one of what like i say one of the issues is if you're in fire it should be high risk high reward but if you're also able to defend and and get bonuses for 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 being hit and stuff, is that nece- is does that make these two good? And I'm not going to say I I'm not qualified to say whether these are too good or not. I th- I find in general that the fire keyho are stronger than any other way to do these from what I've seen. Uh, the other ones might just be more tricky and I'm not grokking them fully, but that's okay. I mean, a, a non-fire one is the Eternal Minds Gate, where uh, you start seeing glimpses of your past lives, hmm. the trace of life's past ritual, which is also in the rituals section, um, sees more of your past lives. So you, this, these are the ways that your Tagashi are seeing their past lives yeah. uh, becoming Tagashi. So I th- thought those were pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the, I'm not going to talk about all 16. No, no. Because, but that, that is 16 new Kiho, which is actually quite a lot of extra ones. So that's kind of cool. Um, the new cutter, I think one of the interesting things about them is the ones, they're, they're, you know, the usual general ones, which could be uh, just Bushy Monk. And general close quarter cutter, but there are a bunch of ones that are specific to the different types of yokai, though, or the different types of non-human that you can be. 
the non-human kata category, and there's a fair few in there, mm-hmm. which is an interesting way of simulating the abilities of a non-human. One thing that's different about the kata in this book than most is that they are exclusive to Bushi or Monk, most of them. That's a good point, actually, yeah. Which means the courtier fighter, the pure courtier fighter, uh, or different classes, people who have been dipping, who have access to kata, but are not actually Bushi uh, tagged, don't don't get them. And so that is one of the um, weaknesses of Bushi. I, I don't know. There hasn't been a whole lot that's been Bushi specific. So these, these kata are. So, well, you know, my little courtier might be, you know, some of these I wish I could use. They're good. And it's good to have things that are Bushi on yeah, uh, yeah. the for. Yeah. It's tricky kata to be worth noting. The bear swipe kata uh, makes a condition last until the end of your next turn. It is an earth two opportunity thing and makes the condition luster. And it supposedly works for all the conditions. So prone or um, immobilized or anything. Uh, bleeding, dazed, disoriented, and prone. Bleed. Those are your choices. Okay. However, <laughs> it only works off of earth opportunities. Earth stance techniques that generate conditions only make prone. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You could use this if you were doing an earth water one, something that lasts a bit longer, like... Radio, your gamers roll. 